Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. When an engineer promising impossible improvements begins tinkering with the Enterprise's engines, Captain Picard and the crew suddenly find themselves millions of light years outside our galaxy with no way home. From October 24th, 1987, it's season one, episode five, where no one has gone before. Or, oh, so this is Voyager, right? (laughs) I'm Cam, that's Dan, and we are the Met Generation. Oh, Daniel. <laughs> Thoughts, <laughs> concerns. I just, I want, I, I really want, like Patagonia, or Lands End, or somebody, to just make a special thirty-fifth anniversary. Line of sweaters from this of Wesley show. Wesley Crusher sweaters, right? <laughs> well, and and Bitchin. the and the traveler. He, mm-hmm. oh man, his his. I mean, his was like a jumpsuit sweater, which is just next level. Like Wesley looked at him, like I want to be you. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about you, you're so dreamy, right? I think mm. maybe he discovered his sexuality in this episode. Yeah. Do you get a Do you get a queer read on Wesley? I mean, everyone is. It's the 24th century, Dan. It's the 24th century. We're all pansexuals. <laughs> Don't be a prude. <laughs> oh, but the point, my favorite part is that he, the traveler, literally live long and prosper, lives long and prospers all the time. Can't help it because he only has three fingers. <laughs> right? I was like, ah, oh, it's an albino nightcrawler. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> but, uh... We should probably let people know what's going on. We should. We should. So, um, yeah, I'll do the thing and then we'll talk. We'll do talk the lots. thing and then we'll talk. On start at 41263.1. So good at my job. <laughs> on start at 41263.1, the Enterprise meets the USS Fearless to bring aboard Mr. Kaczynski, played by Stanley Camel. A Starfleet propulsion expert who plans to run tests on the warp engines to improve their efficiency and fap his knowledge all over the galaxy. Commander Riker is skeptical of Kaczynski's seemingly nonsensical bullshit research, suggesting his apparent success on other ships was merely addressing inherent design flaws on older engines. The Enterprise's engines are brand new, so the crew is uneasy and aware that this guy's an asshole. With Kaczynski... And his assistant, a six-fingered alien from Tau Alpha C, known as the Traveler, played by Eric Menyuk. As Kaczynski and the Traveler explain the test to the engineering crew, Wesley Crusher quickly grasps that the tests are designed to accomplish, grasps what the tests are designed to accomplish, and the Traveler expresses admiration for his problem-solving abilities. 
The test quickly goes awry when the Enterprise speeds up, surpassing known capabilities of warp engines, going warp 9.9999999996, or 1.4 trillion times the speed of light. Wow. Right? <laughs> There's all kinds of science that lets me... Sure, let's say, let's say it's science. <laughs> it's science, god damn it. Picard orders the ship stopped, and the crew finds themselves on the far side of the M33 galaxy, more than 2.7 million light years from the Milky Way. Although Kaczynski is pleased with the results, Picard reprimands him and asks him to simply redo the process to return them home. Asshole. Wesley attempts to warn Riker that during the test, the Traveler appeared to phase in and out of reality, but Riker dismisses him twice without listening. After, after Kaczynski begins the second test, Crusher and Riker both observe the Traveler again, drifting in and out of existence and appearing more tired, as you would. The Enterprise again experiences a burst of speed, and when it stops, the Ragu cannot determine their position. Picard demands that Kaczynski gets the crew home. While Kaczynski and the Traveler and the engineering crew work on reversing the process, the rest of the crew begin experiencing lifelike visions of their past. After having a vision of his mother, Picard surmises that they have arrived at the theoretical outer rim of the universe and issues a red alert to awaken the crew from their visions. Riker suggests that Kaczynski may have nothing to do with the warp jumps and they were likely a result of the Traveler's illness. Picard has the alien moved to sickbay, but Dr. Crusher cannot evaluate the Traveler's alien biology, you know, six fingers is hard, and is unable to treat him. <laughs> the Traveler explains that he has the ability to channel pure thought into reality, and brought the Enterprise crew to the Outer Rim, triggering similar effects in anyone within it. Ah, uh, wow. Good writing, Cameron Michael. Good writing. The Traveler explains that he has the ability to channel pure thought into reality and brought the crew of the Enterprise to the Outer Rim, triggering similar effects in anyone within it to experience their thoughts as reality. The Traveler confides to Picard that he spends his time looking for scientific prodigies, such as the Young Crusher, and suggests that Picard nurture him. When he returns to the engineering section, the Traveler asks Crusher to assist him in returning the Enterprise to known space. As they concentrate, beginning to return the ship home, the Traveler again phases and finally disappears. The Enterprise suddenly stops, and the crew is relieved to find themselves back in Federation space, exactly where they were before. Handy. After the incident, Picard f promotes Crusher to acting ensign. Because he, he, you know has to nurture him, and he right. doesn't want to make an ass of himself. So if he's an officer, it's fine. <laughs> and so ends where no one has gone before. Oh, I should have called this the Kaczynski method. Damn it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should have. That's okay, though. Uh, that's all right. Um, yeah, a lot, uh, lot going on. This felt a little more... Um, at home in its own skin. It's felt it did, a, right? Yeah, it felt a little more like it's like it's kind of finding its thing. Um, where it's like, hey, does everyone remember that racist fucking mess we did just a minute ago? Don't, <laughs> don't. This this don't. is the this is the show now. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. It feels very Star Trekky. It does. It feels quite Star Trekky. Cameron, 
What did you yes, love about Dan. this episode? I loved just... I think what I loved most about this episode is that it believably states that even though we're so technologically technologically advanced and can travel the galaxy, that what we know is still so limited and compare it. It's, it's a believable way to have, you know, the godlike powers and the godlike beings that we got to know very well in the original series. But, you know, it just, it touches on the endless potential of the human mind. And I love that. And it's I, a big step up from who mourns Adonis. <laughs> <laughs> and how? <laughs> Although I would argue that Wesley does go native. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> but he's so pretty, the traveler with his three fingers. Yeah, in a... <laughs> Yeah, in an intellectual way. I was gonna say, <laughs> in a Larry David kind of way. <laughs> hey, you know, he was married for a long time. Not happily, but married. Well, that's something. That <laughs> good, good for him. Yeah, that's not something to congratulate people on anymore. Yeah, right. Good job. Um, I loved how Stanley Camel played Kaczynski. He was just a fucking asshole. And, mm-hmm. you know, so typical. Just know it all. I'm going to come fix things. <laughs> You're not doing this right. My way's better. And, uh, and so I loved that he had nothing to do with it. Sorry, go ahead. Of course. No, he was a superior taking credit for his, his uh, assistant's work, which been there. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I, I know you have. I know you have. <laughs> I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> Same, Daniel. Same. Um, but I also love that we got to see the M33 galaxy for the first time and the outer rim of the universe, which is probably pretty trippy. Yeah, it was something. I was like, I don't know why the laws of physics don't apply once you get further out in the universe, but I'll go with it because you're having fun. It's fine. <laughs> Well, I mean, just generally, would the law of physics would the laws of physics apply at the outer rim of the universe because it's still spanning expanding naturally at a speed faster than light? I think that there would be different forces at work or different things on display, but I don't think everything would just be completely different. But there's no way to know because it's not an observable phenomenon yet. Yay! <laughs> it's true. It's true. We think we found the edge of the galaxy, but we don't know. We're looking at it through a telescope. Yeah, right. Well, and it's frankly one point. It's several trillion years older. I mean, several. Yeah, it's several trillion years older than what we're seeing. So. Right. So who knows? It's endlessly complicated. Astronomy makes my head hurt, and also f- makes me very excited. Makes me feel insignificant. So it makes me angry. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> The universe is all about you, Dan. I mean, I don't know if you realize, but... (laughs) I mean, I'm only sure that I exist. The rest of you could be a matrix. I don't know. Mm. Well, I mean, you're a step up for me. I'm not even sure I exist, so... What? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, um, there's just all kinds of things. I also love the chemistry of the crew already. It's already starting to develop and become delicious. So Mm -hmm. what did you love, Dan? Um, I'm, I'm starting to really dig Picard. Um, I enjoyed, 
once everything was going all kooky wooky, he was he made a captain's <laughs> log and he said that time is irrelevant. <laughs> He's like to list any time would be irrelevant. <laughs> that was that was that was very cheeky. Um, He's a smart guy with a sense of humor, <laughs> right? Um, I I really enjoyed uh, Worf seeing his childhood pet. <laughs> I know. I was, uh, but I it did kind of trigger something where I was like, "Oh God, is another threat going to appear, and the pig's going to sacrifice itself to save Worf?" I can't do that again. <laughs> Don't make me do that, Star Trek. Yes, it did you, not. You Just get to kill. Targ you get to kill enough. one pet. No, that was really cute. I was like, "Oh, Worf had a pet pig." <laughs> um. Uh, I it, it was I, all kinds of Klingon-y. right? I uh, was I'm endlessly curious as to what happened in the last hundred years that made accents just go away because Chekhov has a pretty thick Russian accent. Scotty's got a thick Scottish accent. Picard's mother has a French accent, but Picard's like, this is how we talk now. (laughs) This is (laughs) this is what you paid for. This is what you get. Like he'll slip into his little French flourishes, but he clearly has no French accent. Um, well, so and I mean, that's funny to me. <laughs> that was, that was a producer's choice. Actually. He auditioned with a French dialect and they said, no, no, let's make it English. Mm, much more commanding. Let's, like, let's use your voice. It's just lovely. Do you want me to be John Luke then? <laughs> no, no. Jean Luke still. <laughs> not, not Jean John Luck. <laughs> Jean Luck Picard. <laughs> Jean Luck Picard here. <laughs> uh, um, and I really enjoyed uh, the concept of the traveler. Um, his his creature design was a little meh for me. I thought it was just kind of weak. Uh, well, they could have done except for his hands. Yeah, and they gave him like and some, maybe feet and, and some some like not not forelobe, but they they lobed him up a little bit. And he went to master lobe, and he got a lobe job. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But why it, why is that funny? God I don't damn know. it, Cameron Michael. <laughs> oh. Um I did really like, I think my absolute favorite moment of this episode was his captain's uh, his ship's announcement right before they all send the good thoughts to Tinkerbell so she can fly again. Um <laughs> I really was and like she did. I started clapping. I was like, I believe in fairies. <laughs> That's what we're doing, right? That's what this is. Everyone said positive and warm feelings. And then Counselor Troy, there's so much positive and warm feelings on the ship. And I looked and was like, oh, yeah, I forgot you were on this show. (laughs) (laughs) I feel so bad for her. I'm like, they don't they have no fucking idea what to do with you, do they? Yep. No, it's true. They they really didn't. She's much more useful in the next episode. Um mm-hmm. uh, albeit briefly, but I was like, okay, I I see your value. And I do see her value. I just wish the writers were like, What the fuck is empathy? They <laughs> say chain smoking. <laughs> this is the eighties. We do cocaine. We don't know what empathy is. <laughs> She like reads emotions. What about thoughts? That'd be useful. She could be like a human lie detector. No, just emotions. Oh god. But then, be- <laughs> but if she reads thoughts, then she'll give the plot away, and we'll have no device. <laughs> oh shit! Oh. oh, we read ourselves in a corner with this one. Oh, oh man. god! Oh my head! <laughs> Throw Cast up a ticking clock. 
Let's go to a planet just like Earth. Um, I think they just, just have their bag full of bad Star Trek habits. Um, Quick, pass the cocaine. <laughs> we need more. Where's Gene? He went out for more coke. Um, <laughs> if we're going to make clicky type, we need cocaine. <laughs> Gotta snort it right off the keyboard. Um <laughs> We're still using typewriters at Star Trek. It's Star Trek. Um, I really loved his captain's announcement um, because they cut to so many different people on so many different sections of the ship, and each shot was framed a little bit differently. We had a couple mediums and several close-ups. It made the ship feel huge for the first time. Like Even including... Um, the movies had a sense of 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 size on the ship, but not quite like this made it really feel like it was a massive fucking ship. I was missing two shots. I wanted I wanted a shot of the mess hall and a shot of like a family in their quarters to like fully encapsulate it, but it it, it was really something to see all of them like at attention and thinking of wonderful things, you know, any happy little thought? Uh, any it, happy little thought, Dan. Right. You can fly, you can fly, you can fly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought that Wesley's interactions with the Traveler were very astute. It was, I was hoping that Riker would not listen to him a third time, so it could be like a Peter and Christ <laughs> allegory. <laughs> You denied the crusher three times. <laughs> I don't know the kid in the sweater. I've never seen him before. Who's that? It uh, seems to me a strange thing. <laughs> absolutely. Oh, my God. Um, I also love hated those. I don't know him. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't know him. I don't know him. <laughs> I love hated the weird stools at engineering. I'm like, those are very 1980s. Those look so uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and how they just kind of drag them along. And you could tell he's like, why is this whole ship carpeted? <laughs> you know, so you can late at night walk around barefoot and not feel bad about it. <laughs> Absolutely. But can you imagine the vacuuming? Oh, let's just be a fleet of Roombas. <laughs> Oh, the carpets vacuum themselves, Dan. They just kind of have a suck feature. Everything goes down through them. Nice. That's yeah. That's gonna that's lead fun. to problems when Q makes the ship act weird at some point. Because I'm sure he will. Hi, <laughs> Kitty. Hi. Uh, yes, yes. But yeah, this is um, this is one of the first episodes where people, you know. Where people looked back and said, "This isn't canon. People have been ignoring canon." But then saying, but then the actual, you know, writers saying, "No, no, this was canon. Everything is correct." Um, How so? I'm confused. Well, what I'm speaking of, and the numbers that I got come directly from the Star Trek: The Next Generation technical manual mm -hmm. in regard to the amount of times this beam. Um, and what is contested is that LaForge says we've surpassed warp ten, but that's not actually true. It's that, you know, everything was malfunctioning on the ship and it wasn't aware of how to read. And so it seemed like it was passing warp 10, but it did not. Ah, I went full Uhura, forgot how to read. 
She doesn't remember her parents, Cameron. I know. It's It's the most unspeakably tragic thing that has ever been written. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hadn't brought that one up in a minute. And I don't, I don't, I don't have those jokes about this crew yet. Um, I know they're oof. coming. Don't How me. rough was the uh, was the Tasha uh, rape flashback? It was horrifying. Yikers! It was like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot yeah. of yeah. Everybody else is like, I'm I'm imagining that time that I played in a string quartet, and it's for some reason the you know Baroque period. <laughs> I'm imagining when I was a ballerina. <laughs> Dan, everything in the 24th century is a costume party. <laughs> Sign me up. I know. I am so there. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but it wasn't all costume parties and near-death experiences, was it, Cameron? It was not. It definitely was not. What really, what really chapped your warp drive? <laughs> Just, mm, traveler makeup is really terrible. And I mean, <laughs> so bad. He somehow, Eric Menyuk still manages to make the character really likable and kind of adorable, but like the makeup makes it adorable in a pet way. And it's, you know, it's just kind of a bummer because he's supposed mm-hmm. to be the epitome of evolution in the galaxy and he you know you just want to like rub him under his chin and go oh there's a good traveler she's cute (laughs) (laughs) yep yep that's that's pretty much it and i mean i i I guess i should have talked about this under things i liked but that's fine as compared to some of the other ways that Wesley Crusher is handled in this season. Whew. He's actually really likable and really, I mean, it, they really did a good job of showing his gifts in this episode. As compared to some of the other things that we will see and have seen soon. Ooh. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Everything's fine. Um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I totally get it, and I I love the idea of the outer rim of the galaxy. I mean, the outer rim of the galaxy, the outer rim of the universe, being a thought driven area. But some, yeah, you're right. Some of the things huh? did seem rather silly. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I, I'm like, if, rather silly. <laughs> if if the rules are no rules, then it should be no rules. But it it felt like there was, I. The idea was interesting enough that it didn't take me out of the episode too much, um, and they executed it in a really fun way. Where it was, it was, it was fun. I enjoyed it. It was but, fun. Um, I I was a little like, so <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? How come? Um, if we're at the edge of our of existence and everything's. <laughs> All wibbly wobbly, timey wimey, fucking funky. <laughs> yeah, right. It was real funky. It was it was a crunchy ass baseline. I'll tell you that much. Um, it was just I I would have at least liked some attempt at like 
theoretical physics. Let's talk about like maybe we're approaching upon a fourth dimensional plane of existence or something like that. And yeah, th- that would have been, you know, at the edge of our universe, we get to a fourth dimension that encapsulates our three dimensional universe that could that was some that could have been like a nice explanation where i was like sure our our brains blow up we can't really understand that it's fine um but just just some attempt at it instead of just like thoughts are reality now (laughs) my mom wants to have tea with me (laughs) it's like uh but she dead but she she, real dead she real dead (laughs) Um, she was a lovely actress, though. I was like, "Oh, she I want to have tea with you." Yeah, I'm, I'm there mm-hmm. with Mrs. Pickard, Missy Mademoiselle Picard, M- Mademoiselle Picard. Yes, Mademoiselle Picard. Who I Madame- like, <laughs> Mademoiselle, Mademoiselle Picard. I like to think that she <laughs> ran a brothel. <laughs> Rojan, have you been to Mademoiselle Pickard's <laughs> house of house of loving? <laughs> well, it's a good thing it's your birthday, cause now we're finally gonna make you a man. <laughs> It'll really take away your ennui, as it were. <laughs> That's French for egg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they talk to you real pretty before you do anything, which is mm-hmm. nice. They make uh. you feel like a real person. <laughs> Uh, to quote my favorite comedy ever, you use your mouth prettier than a two-dollar whore. <laughs> <laughs> Teutonic twit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> you know what? If she ran a brothel, I'm happy for her and happy for her choices. Oh, absolutely. I think that the criminalization of the sex trade is a really big fucking problem. And if we uh, legalize that. It's the that world's sh- oldest <laughs> profession. It, is, it literally created the economy. Exactly. <laughs> I think, uh, and, and you know, you, you know me. I like I, I like I would think drugs, prostitution, most most acts between consenting adults. Fine, legalize it. Bring it out of the shadows. Mm. There's a. I mean, well, you know, we're we're approaching 1920. I mean, we're approaching 2020, the hundredth anniversary of uh, you know the Roaring Twenties, which were right. roaring because of Prohibition, which worked Agreed. beautifully. Yeah, Prohibition doesn't doesn't solve problems. It, uh, no. you know. It criminalized everyone else. Yeah, right. Oh! Oh! oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's not fine. Nothing that's, is fine. I will say that's one of my favorite things on the Orville is how they use the replicator to, like, make a marijuana edible or, you know, two tequila <laughs> shots. <laughs> just, I was like, thank you. That is how it would be used. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything you want. Mm-hmm. It can literally make anything that you want. Yeah. A Stradivarius violin, for Christ's sake. Right? Uh, Yeah, I think additionally, this episode suffered... um, It it was beautifully structured to have a nice turn. It's like, oh, we think it's about one thing, and then it's about another. Like, we get so far out into space, and then we get even further out into space, and it's like everything... Like, they they up the ante. It's well-structured to, like, ratchet up the tension a bit. Mm -hmm. Um but 
I never really felt like they were in danger in any way, shape, or form. Except the one time he opened the door and he almost went out into space. I was like, so this is all just kind of kooky fun. (laughs) I mean, pretty much. Yeah, which is fine. But Well, um, and it's just, you know, I mean, I think part of that is our lack of understanding about the size of space. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just it is unconscionably big. I mean, most people have a hard time understanding how much a billion is. And it's and whenever we talk about whatever we talk about space, it's in billions and trillions, you know, I mean. It's it's just it's hard for us to wrap our mind around numbers that big. It just becomes statistical instead of, you know, livable. Right. I mean, we can't. I am still not a billion seconds old. Whoa. You will be, though. I will be soon. But that's just, you know, a million seconds is about a year and a half. A billion is 33 years. Damn, close, son. Close to 33 years. So I'm just saying, it's we're not very good at visualizing space. <laughs> and we're really bad at time. So it's just... If I mean, that I think was if a swipe at how I'm never on time to record, <laughs> it was message not, but... received. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. Why would I pass you it swipe You are correct. I'm aware. <laughs> I'm aware what I signed up for. Passive aggressive is not helpful. <laughs> this is not a 1960s work husband and wife relationship. Yep. <laughs> this is a 2019 work husband husband relationship. Where there we go. I'm aware that you were going to be between five you, and 20 minutes late to everything you, that we do together. You knew who I, you knew who I was when we got work married. <laughs> I did. I did. Mm. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, so if you, it's just the idea of being trapped far and away from, I mean, where you can never get home. Literally everything that you do and everything that in your power, you cannot get home. That's terrifying. It is. And I didn't quite see that level of existential dread here. It was more like, this is, this is uncharted territory. We're going to be okay. Um, I, I I was thinking about like what a human equivalent would be in like reality. And I was like, can you imagine if a ship in World War II, say a World War II submarine, found itself pulled into the core of the earth or something like that? I was like, what is even remotely possible? Like we don't have a concept of something this this is like cosmic horror shit this mm-hmm. this could have been like hp lovecraft outer darkness great old ones level like when we get that far out we don't know what is out there and it is going to be beyond our understanding and it could have been truly terrifying and then the call to unite everyone into positive thoughts of home and whatnot for the traveler would have been really awe-inspiring, but instead it was like, that's enough, crew. No more flights of fancy and (laughs) pretending you're talking to dead relatives and whatnot. Get that bunk out of your head and clap your hands if you believe in fairies. (laughs) (laughs) 
which I think because this show tries to keep an overwhelmingly optimistic tone and we're not yet to say the Borg or something like that where it does get a bit more scary or so I've been told. I've actually never seen the Borg uh, outside of pictures on the internet. Um, but uh, That's my Halloween costume for this year. Yeah, you're going to be a Borg? I'm going to try my damnedest. Noise. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. And cost me thousands of dollars, but it's worth it. I hope your wife listens to this show. <laughs> she does not. She'll spit out her coffee. <laughs> thousands. She, she is the she is the best wife because she tells everyone she knows about it, but does not listen herself. She just is confident in our quality. <laughs> she clearly <laughs> has listened. Which is probably a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, my my wife is is much the same. She's like, I I don't watch Star Trek. I don't want to listen to a podcast about Star Trek. <laughs> I was well, like, neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here we are. And yet here we are. Before we quote it, I will have you know that uh, I rewatched some original series the other day. I watched the Enterprise incident, and I was like, God, the first five minutes of this suck. (laughs) After that, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember why I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Once they're interacting with the Romulan commander, her dramatic turnaround in her chair when they first enter, so Mm -hmm. good. So good. good. (laughs) I was like, oh, yeah, this is a good episode. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a shacting tour de force. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just, you make my heart happy, Dan. Oh, stop. The fact that you're rewatching on your own, you know. Well, you know, the new episode of The Orville wasn't out yet, so. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but yeah, I mean, one last point is that this this idea is really what I think spawned Voyager to be created. And, I mean, a lot of complaints about people, you know, the p- people have about Voyager is that it seems like they're not really concentrating on getting home. You know, and it's because no matter what they do, they are 75 years away from home. They will all be dead, most likely before they get home so like you know they're trying to live their lives and they're also trying to keep the ship going which is why there's so many i don't know you know it's just it's that scope again that we're really bad at visualizing which is why i think people sometimes don't like voyager i you know i watched a little voyager back in college um and you you were a closet trekkie all along weren't you no i tried see cameron i i knew this was that I needed this uh, and everyone was on me about it. So I tried, I watched the first, se- almost the first season of, of next gen. It was like next, no, thank you. Uh, and then I watched, I watched about a season and a half of Voyager. And you skipped deep space nine, which is going to be your jam. I know. I know you keep saying, but I, uh, and right about right about when they met Amelia Earhart, I was like, mm, I think I'm done with this for a little bit. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know if this is this is my. Kind. I'm gonna watch Battlestar Galactica again. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, you did watch about a season and a half if you met Amelia Earhart. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we quote this? We should. What is our velocity? It's off the scale, sir. Reverse engines. Captain, no one has ever reversed engines at this velocity. That's because no one has gone this fast. Reverse engines! 
it's so good, right? <laughs> and you have this ability to travel? Yes. And others of your kind have the same ability? Oh, yes. Then why in all of our history is there no record of you or someone like you ever having visited us? What wonderful arrogance. There is no record because we have not visited you before. Why not? Well, because up until now, if if you'll forgive this, you've been uninteresting. <laughs> you do understand, don't you? That thought is the basis of all reality. The energy of thought, to put in your terms, is very powerful. I was after he said that I was like, "Oh god, if they make a vision board." <laughs> is this episode just the secret? <laughs> Ugh, Daniel. Don't hate on vision boards. Uh, I've never made one. I should Well, one. there's your problem. Is that why I'm not successful? <laughs> yes, maybe. <laughs> maybe you wouldn't be such an abysmal failure if you had a vision board. Oh, well, <laughs> damn. <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. The truth is, Captain, I've made a mistake. A wonderful, incredible mistake. It's like, no, you're a goddamn fraud, Kaczynski. Sit down. Shut up. Who are you? Or what? I am a traveler. What is that? A Klingon Targ. My pet from home. <laughs> but when I was a child, I was like... <laughs> you're telling me it's a kitty cat? <laughs> Captain's log, stardate, 41263.2. This will be a rather unusual log entry, assuming Starfleet ever receives it. As I already informed my crew, a phenomenal surge of power during a warp speed experiment has sent our starship hurtling out of our own galaxy and past another, taking us over... 2,700,000 2,700,000 light years in a few minutes. Message on this has already been transmitted to Starfleet, sir. Which traveling at sorry, which traveling <laughs> subspace should arri- should receive in 51 years, 10 months, 9 weeks, 16 days, Mr. Mr. Data. Data. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Fun times. Captain, can you allow a man who's made one mistake back into a position where he may make another? (laughs) Good on you, Worf. Yep. Fuck your mistakes. Right? (laughs) Although, I I, I refuse to quote the line where he compares Wesley to Mozart. Like, nope. (laughs) That's fair. Not yet. Not yet. Our position reads exactly what it was before this sleigh ride began, sir. Cease red alert. Sleigh ride? Or whatever you call it, Data. I don't have a proper name for it. (laughs) (laughs) The Adventures of Jordy and Data. Yeah! Yeah! Yeah. Space buddies. (laughs) Space buddies. Attention all decks. This is to inform you that your support... With your support, the Traveler has returned us to our own galaxy. However, he has now left us. Wherever he has gone, we wish him well. Well, Cameron. Yes, Dan. How many uh, dead mom tea parties would you give this episode? (laughs) Dead mom tea parties. 
<laughs> oh shit. Um, <laughs> four. <laughs> I would give it four dead mom tea parties. Maybe three. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I'd say three point seven five. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah, it's pretty good. I I enjoyed it. <clears throat> wow, I'm so glad. I like the next episode a lot, but for uh, a a very different reason. I think I, it's. I'm sure. Yeah. Anyways, but hey, if you want to if you want to hear all about it, um, why don't you listen to the next episode, you schmucks? <laughs> Don't call them schmucks. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you well, wonderful nerds. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it, and dance called you schmucks, which means there's just one last thing for me to do, and that's for me to tell you to not just have a great week. Make it so. Keep on trekking. <laughs> you should see his face. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> some pretty solid effects i gotta say I know, right when picard opens the uh turbo lift and he about steps out into space i was like whoa <laughs> trippy it's <laughs> like what is in this joint no. <laughs> it's the last time i buy from mccoy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> you can't handle this shit son don't play with the big dogs <laughs> That's how we're going to keep McCoy into this, is he's their drug dealer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's the one you call Dr. Feelgood. <laughs> <laughs> we love him. Oh, God. <laughs> A Secret Weapon Production.